she found herself living in very bad domestic violence situations. She's here to talk about the domestic violence, what happened, how she escaped domestic violence to build her life today, and what she does to help others. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Calling us from Arizona, we have Kimberly Miner on the Law Enforcement Today Show. I got to tell you this. I met Kimberly on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. We were in a room together. I heard part of her story. is like, this lady needs to be a guest on a Law Enforcement Today Show. By the way, the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, phenomenal. It's free. Get it. Look for me. Follow me. John, middle initial J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, or at L-E-T Radio Show. Lots of good things going on there. Kimberly, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thanks so much, Jay. I'm really excited to be here with you. So it's always fun to spend time with uh, someone that is a lot of fun to listen to. Oh, thank you very much. W- one of the reasons I, I was so moved by what you talked about because of my police experience, one of the most horrible things we had to deal with all the time, and quite often it was repeat callers, was domestic violence. And many, many times it was tragic, is horrific outcomes, the people didn't leave. Your story really struck a bell to me because you found a way to escape all that, create a new life for yourself, and I think the most powerful part of this, you help other people get beyond that and build the lives they want afterwards. I think all three of those are phenomenal. Oh, well, thank you. You know, one of the biggest things is, is that it didn't, that's really important to, to stress is that it didn't happen overnight, is that it wasn't just a thing that I walked out and then the next day I felt like I could take on the world. Uh, It was a really long journey. One that my whole mission with the foundation is, is that it's so much quicker for so many other survivors is that it really took me over 25 years to really find my worth and my confidence. And in that time period, Jay, is that I really want to stress is that I made a lot of mistakes for myself, uh, for my worth, for my confidence. I made it in my career, I made it in my personal life, because I chose not to use my voice uh, in looking for help within my personal family, within my friends, within my career, and that is so many of the uh, mistakes that survivors find themselves within on a regular basis, is that uh, they have this inner struggle with their identity uh, that they come out of the situation with, is that what it is that persevered them to get out of that, you know, out of that event um, is what becomes their biggest struggle within themselves of how they uh, can't define themselves anymore, is that it they look in the mirror and 
they feel like they are defeated, right. that they can't they can't become anything, or that somehow they can't make any decisions whatsoever in their lives, that somehow they can't make a good decision when it comes to uh, work or a career or a relationship or decisions in general. And uh, they've got so much noise going on in their head that, um, you know, it's like having to analyze every conversation in their head every time they look to make a decision. Um, it's a lot of noise going on, and it takes a lot of time to work through that um, if you do the right thing to try to do that. One of the things, I'm sure, it it took a long time to get out of this and build your new life afterwards. I think you said a lot of mistakes along the way. We all make mistakes. But I'm sure that the domestic violence situation you found yourself in, it wasn't a very sudden thing. It was a gradual thing as well to start. Am I correct? It was a very gradual thing. You know, the biggest thing I say is that, you know, if you went on a date and somebody started to do something extremely destructive, you wouldn't go, oh, yeah, let me go back out with them again. Right. <laughs> you would you would say, I, no, thank you. You know, let me see what I can, you know, uh you know, find somebody new, just a gradual thing that continues to happen. And so, you know, once you're in it, um, it just, it's a process, you know. So for myself, it took me a long time. It took me, um, and once I was in it, because I didn't have the confidence, I didn't have the self-worth, I didn't feel good about myself, it actually took me three times of filing for divorce. And the first time, I was so close that I was three weeks away from the divorce being final, and I went back. And that's the part, and by the way, I'm not going to sit in judgment. I'm not the one who went through that. And I don't really have a point of reference to that. I, I can tell you from working as a cop, the frustration you have when it's, you know, like almost like every Friday night, you get the call, and you, you, you try to say, you try to do what you can do. You can't make someone do something they don't want to do. And I understand now the reasons why many people don't. And, and part of it is, look, the, the abuser didn't start off that way. The abuser was a nice person to begin with. They had a great relationship. And then things gradually began to change. And some of them might think that I can change them back. Or this one, the, the trap that many people fall in, this happened because I did something. I did something to deserve this, which is not true. It never has been true. It never will be true. And it should never be the case. But many people fall into that trap. Jay, you bring up an excellent, excellent point. I actually, in the last few days, have had this exact conversation about this specific question, is that there's actually three things on this exact question is that one is that you're told that everything is your fault. And one of the biggest struggles that I took me many, many years of a lot of therapy um, of working through this is that um, thinking that everything was my fault. And um, I describe it as going through doing an autopsy in my brain all the time is that I would go through conversations in my head and I will autopsy it of what was said. What did they say? What did I say? What did they say? What did I say? What did they say? What did I say? And going through, well, maybe it was my fault. 
knew it was my fault. Well, if I just wasn't this way, then it, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't done this, it, I would, let me tell you how exhausting that is because that's how I would lead my life of every situation. And I was, there were so many times that, um, you know, I can remember um, my friends saying, like, you know, you seem tired. And I was tired because when you lead your life of having to diagnose every conversation, everything that was happening in your life as to how potentially you were at fault for everything, it is exhausting, and I can only I, I can only imagine. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Kimberly Miner, a domestic abuse survivor, and not just survivor. She's doing very very well. She's a weird term. We're going to talk more about her situation. She found herself in what it took to get out of it, and what she does today. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Kimberly Miner on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Kimberly is a domestic violence survivor. And when I say survivor, look, it's about having a good life. She has a great life. She does a lot of work to help other people, especially women in domestic violence relationships. She's a transformational speaker, a consultant, creator of Envision You Women's Summit. We'll let her tell you more about that in a moment. Before we end our break, Kimberly, you're talking about how your relationship, your serious relationship, slowly began to deteriorate into a domestic violence situation. And I'm really watching my words here very, very closely. When did you start to realize that this is really, really bad. You know, I was a, I was really young when I got into this relationship, and um, it was not long after we had gotten married. And here's the thing about uh, when you're young is that you think that you know everything, and it that relationship filled a lot of voids of a traumatic event that had happened in my life. And um, so nobody could tell me any different. And once we had gotten married, um, the honeymoon period was over and the fun kind of stopped. And, you know, being young, um, I thought there's no way I'm going to go back and tell my family that I made this huge mistake. And so out of pride um, for myself, I thought, you know, I'm just going to stay where I'm at. I get and that. So, I, I really uh, understand that part of, look, my pride won't allow me to tell you that things are bad. Exactly. And, and but so I would say I this, just, I'm the old ignorant pain in the butt father i have two daughters 
and I've had many conversations with suitors, boyfriends, whatever, on the phone, and I'm just going to be very upfront. I tell people, if you harm my daughter, I will fly up to Buffalo, New York. They sell ski masks and 7-Elevens and convenience stores there and master locks and tube socks and and i will i will fold you up like a pretzel and we never it never got to the point where they had to be i'm afraid to to admit the thing that you're right because i was already a jerk about it and i'm not going to apologize at all i'm just i'm okay with it they're okay with it now too the ones who weren't okay with it they didn't stick around (laughs) exactly yeah and and so you know that's one of the reasons why I find it so important to work with young women who are at the college age and stuff because, you know, I want to make it clear to them that, you know, it's okay to walk away. It's okay to walk away from that relationship to save them from making that mistake for themselves so that they can have a really bright future for themselves, that it's okay to stand up for yourself, um, mistake or not. You know, mistakes are a moment in time, right? Uh, but life is forever. And it, so, it also don't define you as a person. Yeah, a mistake is now, and it doesn't define you moving forward. Can so we we, we had define- calls for service where, I, I'm not exaggerating, we had a call for service, a domestic violence call, where a spouse was stabbed in the neck because they want to lead the Thanksgiving prayer. And that was the kind of things we dealt with. And it was nonstop. It was like the same families almost every Friday night. And it's heartbreaking to see because it's not just the physical part of it. And it's not just females. Males get you know, horribly abused as well. The vast majority of them, it was the male abuser with the female victim. The horrible thing about it, Kimberly, was watching, and I'm not sure what words to use, the, the gradual degradation of the person, losing everything they have about themselves, that they feel good about themselves about. It's not just the physical violence part, although it's horrific. It's almost like the emotional toll it takes on them is, is difficult to bear. They, they, you, they lose their identity of who they are as a person, um, when you look in the mirror, uh, you only see pieces of yourself. And the only time that you actually find those pieces of yourself is that uh, I can remember when I would go out to, you know, having actually what really was, I believe for myself, my saving grace is that, you know, having my career and going out and doing my career was what was that piece that kept instilling what it was that was that piece about me that was good about myself, that kept instilling some confidence in me that I did have these great abilities about me, that I was able to go out and still have some relationships. And I was able to still instill my communication skills on a regular basis. And so by doing that, um, I still could uh, instill uh, ability to stick up for myself to a certain extent. So by continually doing that, in the end, that's what 
was my ability to finally say, okay, enough's enough. How long did it take from start to finish for you to say, enough's enough, I'm done? 10 years. 10 years. That's a long time. That, it, you know, all the, the things I have in my life, Kimberly, money, possessions, doesn't matter. You can replace all that stuff. The one thing I can never replace is time. And the older I get, the more aware of that I am. 10 years is a lot of time. It is. It's a very long time. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you survived time. it. You can't, get those, you can't get those 10 years back. Right. But you, you've, you're, you're taking the pain of those 10 years, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, and putting it to good purpose, helping others. When I say the pain of those 10 years, how bad was it? The 10 years, there was so many times where um, I didn't know from one day to the next of what was going to happen. I didn't know if he was coming home. I didn't know uh, what was going to set him off. Um, There was, you know, and, you know, we didn't have smartphones back then. You have to put it into perspective. And uh, if he was going to be mad, he would cut the telephone line so I couldn't even call for help. So put that into perspective. Yeah. And that, that's got to be a very helpless feeling. We're, we're talking with Kimberly Miner. Uh, I met Kimberly in the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. By the way, if you don't have that, get it. It's free. Follow me. Look for John Minutial J, that's spelled J-O-H-N, Minutial J, last name Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, or at L-E-T Radio Show. And she talked about her story, surviving, doing well, flourishing, and helping others after domestic violence. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. we got so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for law enforcement today radio show when you get there click like and follow as click like and follow law enforcement today radio show on facebook return conversation with kimberly minor on the law enforcement today show brief synopsis kimberly is a domestic violence survivor and i use that term survivor because that's the appropriate term but she's doing very, very well. And she is a transformational speaker, consultant, creator of the Vision U Women's Summit. She helps other women and domestic violence relationships to build the lives they want. So the term survivor, while accurate, it doesn't really, you're doing well. That's the thing. Before we go into more of your story, I told you earlier, I'm the jerk father that is very protective of my daughters. And I know from working in law enforcement, certain things you look for, certain signs, but I think a lot of people are quick to brush off certain signs. What are some of the things that parents, family members, siblings, friends need to look for that are tip-offs that there might be a problem that their friend might be going through a domestic violence situation? Uh, they start, you know, when you when they start withdrawing, uh, you know, when they would normally tell you a lot of the things that are going on in their life and then they stop sharing with you what's going on. Um, they stop uh, coming to uh, things that they would normally come to. Um, those are huge red flags um, when they stop attending things, when the person that they're with um, is not attending any of the things that 
um, that they're coming to. Um, and then um, that person then is not coming to, you know, family things. That's a huge red flag. Um, what about the ones where it's like, it's as if the other person starts controlling. They're not allowed to have contact with their mother, their father, their siblings, the friends. Right. When there's no contact whatsoever, that's a huge red flag. Those are all huge, huge, huge red flags. Uh, that you should absolutely, um, you know, start having, you know, um, make calls, you know, you be the one to go visit them, you know, make visits to them to see, you know, what's going on. Um, and this, the sooner the better, right. you know, it's, you know, in today's day and age, it seems like we're all so busy. You know, if there's um, one thing that we can take away from, what we've gone through with COVID and stuff is learning that the preciousness of um, the time that we get with family. So, uh, you know, take that time to, you know, make the time to go and see your family, to go and see them, to call them, to do a FaceTime with them, to Zoom with them, uh, you know, know what they're up to, set up a time to be with them. So those are all really important things. And, you know, you don't have to, don't be asking, like, direct questions. Those are very difficult for somebody who's in that situation to um, be on edge. They, you know, don't, it's hard for them to answer those questions. So ask open-ended questions that make it easy for them to give you hints that something is going on. Right. Well, really one of the things I, I really value and I try to do now is is be willing to have conversations with people that are uncomfortable, being willing to step on their toes to save their life. And when I do that, Kimberly, I'll say things like, how are you doing? Because you don't seem like your old self. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just come up and say, hey, by the way, is Joe beating you? Because you, you don't, that, that doesn't seem to work. Right. Yeah. Your question is perfect is, you know, that's very open-ended, you know, how are you doing, you know, uh, or like things that you would normally see them do, you know, if they're, they normally, you know, go work out, you know, and you guys go together and stuff, you, you, we always go and work out and stuff. You haven't been there lately, you know, is, you know, are you not feeling well? Is something, you know, is there's been something that's come up, you know, Hey, like, can we set up a time to go and do that? You know, that's very open-ended. It leaves room for them to, you know, give some kind of answer. That's also like a basic sales technique. You don't say, you don't ask questions that are yes or no answer. He's like, hey, is Tuesday or Thursday better for you? Because, <laughs> right. look, we're getting together. We're going to go work out. Is Tuesday better right, for you exactly. or Thursday? Which one? Very, very good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, the yeah. thing is, too, and this was a very difficult thing as a young policeman. You know, you get very frustrated seeing this. And sometimes you, you, and I had old timers teach me, thank goodness. But in the very beginning, it was like you want to talk to a person and and think that somehow you have some magical phrase you can come up with that you're going to say to them. They're going to go, oh, yeah, you made everything right. And I get the power to walk away now. That's not the, that's not reality. I'm not Superman. I, I don't have the magic phrase. So I can't sit in judgment. That's the, the other thing is when someone's going through this, I can't sit in judgment because that harms them. Well, it, you bring up a, a 
an excellent point is that one of the biggest things that are very difficult for uh, someone who's actually in it or somebody who is a survivor is that as much as family wants to help or try to work their way through how it is that somebody has been in that situation, um, questions or comments that, you know, um, why are you in that situation? Why are you letting them do that? Or how did you do that? Or why did you stay so long? Um, that's very difficult for somebody who's been in that situation to wade their uh, wade through. There, there's enough layers for them to try to work through. Um, just like I was describing to you earlier, um, how I had to uh, try to dig through the layers myself of conversation, then try to add the layers of friends and family making comments like that. It's, you know, trying as a person who's in the situation or as a survivor, um, trying to find where my own thoughts and opinions are on top of all of those myself. It makes it very hard to find out who I am as a person and where are my own thoughts and opinions are at some point. So, it, you know, um, I understand as friends and family that, you know, you're trying to help or you are looking for and grasping for answers yourself. Um, there's a period of time where that person, you know, just needs your love and needs to know that, hey, you know what, we're here for you and we're just here to listen. And sometimes you get more answers that you're looking for just to be there to be a listener. And I'm horrible at that. I, I got to tell you right now, my wife tells me I'm a horrible listener. My daughters tell me. And by the way, for those who go, yeah, typical male. My dad was career Navy. He was gone quite often. We were raised by my mother. I have four younger sisters. I have been taught everything by women in my life. And I'm still one of the world's worst listeners. <laughs> I don't know what it is, Kimberly. <laughs> Just, I've, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better. You know, and quite often in these domestic violence situations, the, the situation is, is a wrong term, but because they usually last a long, long time, you know, it's the subtleties and the victories are subtle. And the process you said earlier that it you went through this for about 10 years, but it took you the better part of every day after that to make progress and build the life that you wanted for yourself afterwards. It wasn't, and I, I blame Hollywood a lot for this. There's, you know, we get the, the knight in white shining armor thing. I got that. I want to go in. I want to charge in. I want to bust things up and I want to rescue them, take it away. And it'll be, everybody's happily ever after that. And it's almost like the Hollywood ending and the storybook ending. And they all lived happily ever after. And they laughed and laughed and laughed. And life was wonderful. And that's not the reality. The reality is it's slow. It's gradual. The start of this and the, the escaping it is slow and gradual. When we return to our conversation with Kimberly Minor, we're going to talk about her journey and building her life afterwards and what she's doing today. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. A lot of fascinating things heading your way. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Want to win great prizes in awesome contests? Who wouldn't want that? It's easy. Just sign up and subscribe for the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. 
All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Kimberly Miner on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Fascinating person with a fascinating story and her recovery. And that's an overused term will blow your mind. She's a domestic violence survivor, spends her life trying to help others, in particular women in domestic violence relationships. She's a transformational speaker. She's a consultant, creator of the Vision You Women's Summit. Uh, and we met her on Clubhouse. By the way, check that out. Uh, just follow me, John, Minotial J, Wiley, or at LET Radio Show. Kimberly, when you finally decided that you need to do something and start creating a different life, I know it was a long journey for you to get to where you're at today. That didn't happen over overnight. That's not that Hollywood thing where like everything's wonderful. Um, what were some of the things you did that you credit that as being the most powerful for creating a new life for you? Yeah, Jay. Uh, you know, the the number one thing that was the best thing that I did is getting a lot of therapy, going and doing the work. I actually went through. Also, the women's program through the domestic violence shelter, uh, that was very helpful for me, too. Being with other women who had been through the same situation, uh, that gains you support. It makes you feel like people who uh, understand. Uh, you know, sometimes when you are telling your story, um, as much as your friends and family want to be there for you, it can be exhausting for them. They haven't been there. They haven't gone through it. And yes, they want to be there for you. But when you haven't experienced it yourself, um, it can be exhausting for for them to go through it. And sometimes when you just have to relive it or talk about it, and when something triggers you to have to kind of go back and relive it and talk about it again, you know, and they get one more phone call over again to have somewhere to go of people who um, are not concerned about hearing about it one more time that automatically, instantly, they get it because they understand from their experiences also. Um, you don't feel uncomfortable. You don't feel like an outsider. And you don't feel abnormal. You feel normal in that environment. You know, it's interesting that being in these groups is that we always say is that uh, we're so grateful that we have this group, but unfortunate that we have to right. have this group. Yeah, well, I, so, it's a, a group no one wants to be part of, but thank God they're there. Exactly. So, you know, it's through those kind of measures that um, it was a step-by-step process that um I worked through a lot of things, um, but I, I, I want to say is that uh, it did not come without a lot of setbacks. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like it just, I just went and then everything was just all perfect because that would be, uh, that would be a myth is that there was setbacks and then I went to more counseling and you know, I learned more about myself and worked through more things that I learned about myself. And then I implemented that. And then 
you know, I worked through those things and I confronted more things. And, you know, you, you had to be, I had to be willing to face the things that came up. And it's not until you're willing to actually face it and work through it that you actually get past it. One of the things that a lot of people have a misconception about, and I did too in the very beginning, many, many years ago when I was a much younger guy, that therapy and psychotherapy and psychologists was, you know, sitting on a couch or laying on a couch, and and how did that make you feel? Uh, Really what this is, when you talk about therapy, it's a lot of work. It's like physical therapy. None of it is easy. No, it's it's not. And, you know, the thing is, is that, there was things that there was a reason why I wound up in that relationship and I had to confront those things and none of it was easy. And, and I had to deal with those particular issues and there was things then I had to look in the mirror at and had to figure out, you know, who, and then in the process, I had to figure out who I was as a person. Right. Who was I? Because this started when I was, when I was so young. So I had to figure out who was Kim, you know, and, and define, really kind of redefine who I was at such a late life. And then I had to kind of deal with the sorrow of feeling like I had lost out on so much of my life. And that was a process. It was kind of like dealing with a death, feeling like I had lost half of my life. And that was really big part that I had to deal with, to work through, uh, to feel like I was justifiable to be able to really say, okay, I'm worthy enough to be able to step up and be able to say that I'm worth something to be able to uh, have, you know, the rest of my life and be able to get in front of people and say that I actually have something worth being able to listen to. One of the things I can only imagine your scenario, because again, I don't have a point of reference with this, but many of my guests and from part of my own story, there's a, a, a period of shame that happens and it's okay to be ashamed of something I do but it's it's a totally different story when you're ashamed of yourself and it's like I can't believe my life has come to this and that's where a lot of the shame comes from did you encounter that absolutely there was a lot of self-shame that I had I was I was ashamed that I wound up in the situation I was ashamed that I wound up you know letting that person in my life I was ashamed that I allowed my kids to be in that situation. I was ashamed of the decisions that I had made afterwards. I was ashamed, you know, having to deal with the interactions with my family. I was uh, ashamed that I allowed myself to be in that situation. Um, I am a smart, intelligent woman. Um, I had grown up in a uh, influent area. Like, I had huge expectations you know, for myself, and I had let myself down in every single level. But I'm proud of you because you did the work to counter that shame, because that doesn't come easy either. And a lot of it, for me, and I can't speak for you, is how can I help other people? And this is something I know you do a lot of. There came a point where you decided, I'm going to take what I went through, the pain of my past, 
and my recovery and use it to help benefit those who are suffering. How do you do that now? Uh, Yeah, I have established uh, a foundation, the Envision You Victory Over Violence uh, Foundation, where I've created a whole program, educational program, that helps survivors find faith and move forward in looking and finding their confidence and their self-worth and their self-esteem to be able to look in the mirror and like and love themselves so that they can move forward with their lives and know that they have bright futures, that whatever it is that got them through their biggest struggle, that instead of it becoming their hindrance, their silence, that they get to use that as their ability to move forward with their life and know that they do have a bright future. And I will be darned if anyone is going to spend 25 years like I did of not being able to have every possibility afforded to them out of their own work. And so that is what the mission of my foundation is. is Where where can people get more information about your foundation and all that you offer with it? Yeah, they can find that if they go to envisionyouvictory.org. That's envisionyouvictory.org. You have summits, you do training, you're a consultant, you, you work with law enforcement and, and victims themselves. I really want to thank you, Kimberly, for sharing your story about what you went through because it's, it's very personal, it's very private, it's a very difficult, delicate conversation to have, so I appreciate that, but I really appreciate you sharing your victory, what it took to get you here, and what you're doing for people afterwards, but most importantly, thank you so much for being a guest on the show and telling us all about it. It's all very much appreciated. Thank you for having me on, Jay. really appreciate it. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing if you enjoyed the podcast version of the show please do me a big favor tell a friend i'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the law enforcement today radio show and podcast until then this is john j wiley see ya